We're back to the sports ball and the mob. It's two it's, things that could not interest you less. <laughs> I don't care about any of it. You don't care about any of it. But I cannot wait to see what you do with this episode. It's going to be a real treat. We got a lot. We got a lot. Let's just get to it. <laughs> Hi, Julia Benzavalli. Hi, Patrick Hines. Hey, girl, thanks for coming to my opening night last week for my traveling book party. We're doing that thing where we're in the past, the present, the future. Unbelievable. It hasn't happened yet, but when you guys hear this episode, it will have just happened this past week, and I'm assuming it went great. It went wonderfully. I'm so proud of you. What did we dance to to the dance party part? Well, that's a secret for when we release the video of it. What? Fam, I'm on tour for the rest of the next two months. Come see me. Go to truecrimeobsessed.com. Click on the CS Live link to see where I'm coming. Come to Obsessed Fest. Obsessed Fest. Dallas in October. You can't beat it. You, me, everybody we know and love. Yeah, just about. It's going to be full days of panels and programmings and meetup and karaoke and the Taylor Swift sing-along. Yes, I love that you're just really into the Taylor Swift sing-along these days. I've been looking at the picture of it from last year. You look like you're having the time of your life. I've said it before. It did more for me than 10 years of therapy. Damien Eccles spent 17 years on death row and said the best part of Obsessed Fast was the Taylor Swift sing-along. Can you believe it? Because Lori added him immediately. She was like, show me your Spotify. You've been listening. They listen to Midnight's Over Breakfast every morning. Oh, my God. I love I them. I don't know what that is. Turn it out. You know what? <laughs> also, join us on the Patreon. Tell them about the benefits of the Pates. The benefits of the Pates. Sorry, I'm so tripped out that you don't know what Midnight's is. Yeah, no, the benefits of the Pates is that you get all of these episodes ad-free, but then yeah. you get all the series that we do. So, like, The Vow and Tiger King and that Gacy thing on Peacock yeah. and Lorena and all the series that are, like, four, five, six, seven, eight Plus, episodes. like, tons of video content, lots of our live shows filmed live, edited professionally, so yeah. much stuff there. And, like, AMAs, some Sometimes we're just hanging out and like catching up on life. Sometimes we're taking your questions. Sometimes yeah. we're giving you advice that you shouldn't take too seriously unless no. it changes your life, in which case you're welcome. <laughs> the huge. <laughs> All right, girl, what are we talking about? Literally, what are we talking about? All right, so we're talking about Untold, that yeah. series on Netflix. This is Operation Flagrant Foul, and it's about a ref who was betting on the games he was refing. I love the game of basketball growing up. It's all I did, all I dreamt of, and all I wanted to be a part of. Man, did I f- my life up. Allegations against one basketball ref of betting on games is rocking the NBA. As an NBA referee, it was written in the contract that you couldn't place a bet of any kind, but I had inside information, and that's all I needed to make these picks correct. Timmy would tell me who we would bet on, and I would relay it back to my guys. I said to myself, shouldn't be doing this. But we were winning. I could win a few million on each game. It's a print press. There was a wad of money, and it clicked. He's betting on his own games. And then all of a sudden, the FBI was here. Wire fraud, illegal gambling. Let's go, baby. You can never live a peaceful life. Your life has become nothing but a lie. Can I tell you, the NBA has an official statement about the documentary. They say, Tim Donaghy is a convicted felon. There is no basis to revisit any of this. All right, well. To which I say, excuse me. The NBA has really been through it, as they should with these untold. Remember Mal at the Pal? Oh, my God. Mal at the Pal. It's one of our best. If you all haven't watched Mal at the Palace, go watch. And guess what? Reggie Miller's in this one, too, because where there's a basketball game, someone's talking about good old Reggie Miller. He's real mad in this one, too. Well, you know, this is a whole goddamn mess. So we start, we open in Sarasota, Florida. Florida. We're at a restaurant. I said it's been a minute, Florida girl. We haven't been here in a little while. How did that fight before Christmas thing not happen in Florida? I don't know. You know what I mean? It might as well have. If ever there was a Florida story, that's it. Maybe that's where he'll move to next totally. when he gets kicked out of a different cul-de-sac. <laughs> well, we're at this restaurant, and I don't know if you noticed this, but there's a server that comes out of the swinging doors to deliver food to a table. No. But he comes out of the door that says indoor only. Oh, no. <laughs> but no one's in the restaurant. It's yeah, just yeah, like yeah. a nice little taco <laughs> joint or whatever. But did I was he like, kick it with his foot? No, just like not a care in the world. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> wasn't a busy Saturday well, you're night you're being a real stickler right at the top for the I, rules. It's just a detail. I don't care about the rules. I'm happy he broke them. Okay. I, it's just a detail that I noticed. <laughs> totally. It's where my eye went. So I said, I guess we're meeting this Tim guy right at the top. He says, I did something that was stupid and unfathomable. Man, did I fuck my life up, he said. He's I like, know. I had b- the best cars, the best house. I had all this money. Can I just say, he goes, I had a great job, great family, great cars. Why do straight men equate cars with their family at every given opportunity? Not all of them. Okay, not every last one of them. But all with, all with 
always the bad one. Yeah, I was gonna say my dad. Like my dad didn't care just about like, the car. Just like don't like when you're talking about how like you lost everything that was good in your life. Just like take a breath between family and cars. And just how many cars does a person need? Honest to God, I don't know. Me, either. I have zero cars, so <laughs> I know I'm really. I have one, and that's probably more than I need. Enough, right? You know what God. I mean? So some people say Donaghy, some people say Donaghy. I call him Donaghy because it's Jack Donaghy. Yeah, I figured. <laughs> So Tim grew up in Delaware County, Pennsylvania. I loved the game of basketball growing up. It's all I did, all I dreamt of, and all I wanted to be a part of. My dad was a successful college referee. You know, I saw the friendships that he made with other officials. I saw the excitement that you get by being a part of the game at a very young age. We saw the friendships. It was all very exciting. I got to tell you, a lot of like famous NBA refs come from this town. We're talking Joe Crawford. The legend. Total legend. Steve Javi, Stroh, Middleton, <laughs> Callahan, Washington. Washington. He's saying these I know. names like it's. He was going so fast I had to keep stopping. Right. I was like, how many more of these names are we going like, to get? He's like Judy Garland, Celine Dion. <laughs> Mariah Carey. Bette Midler. <laughs> Barbara Streisand. I'm like, oh, my God. Tim, you got to know your audience. But now we get to see a video teaching the ref choreography. They call it mechanics, but let's call it what it is. It's choreography. It's 100% choreog. The, the guy's, guy's not happy about bored it. Bored to death. He's like... <laughs> At one point, he goes, shot is made, touchdown, three points. And I said, now, wait a second. Uh Uh-huh. That's football. Is that right? Shot is made, touchdown, three points. Tim is really on the fast track to being a ref in the NBA. They send him to ref camp. Yeah, his wife is here to tell us that, like, there's only 50 spots in the professional NBA. And he's going to get one of them. And that's a big deal. I mean, that's a fucking huge deal. You can't deny the numbers 50 spots? My God. Well, Tim meets Kim. They're Tim and Kim. He yeah. meets her on a plane, and it's one of these stories where the guy's pushy and the woman isn't into it, so then he's pushier, and then she thinks it's cute, and then they're married. I literally have this story. This story is not the cute story you think it is. No. He gets on the flight, and the flight attendant, who is there to save your life and not serve you fucking cocktails, Kim, Kim is saying, He said, I'm going to sit right by you. And I said, no, you're not. You're going to sit in your seat. <laughs> and he sat right by me. <laughs> and so he just instantly... It made me laugh. But he ended up sitting near me and wasn't it adorable. And I laughed and laughed. Kim, and I'm like, Kim, we don't Everyone, know. please do what the flight attendants tell you to do. I I cannot watch another guy get duct taped to a chair. Yeah. You know what I mean? No. All the times that people are getting like saran wrapped into their seats right. because of their behavior. Unless you're a flight attendant who's speaking to me, in which case keep them coming. Right. <laughs> so I can cry through my anxiety. Just a little lubricated. You know what? We should maybe saran wrap you to a seat next time we're on a plane together. I don't need more anxiety. Okay. I, I can feel my chest getting tight. I know. So anyway. They get married on a beach. She says, quote, I was barefoot and pregnant. It actually yeah. looks like a lovely little small ceremony. It, it does. It looks beautiful. And she's very supportive of his dreams, which is great. Everyone also, they're Kim and Tim. We're not talking Kim about this t- stuff. <laughs> well, we're going to get to like, we're going to get to Timmy, Jimmy, and Tommy in a minute. Oh, I have, so- oh, I have nicknames. Don't worry. I got you. I got Gotcha, I gotcha. So it's Tim's first NBA game, and it's Houston at Indiana. Here and we go. Your Reggie boy Miller is here. Is here right? <laughs> He's an Indiana Pacer, as we've learned. And Reggie Miller is like a this legend. This is Tim's first game. Very first game. He's a this, young guy. This would be like me being security at the Madonna concert for my right. first security gig. Right. Imagine me as a security guard. Only you're just watching the show. <laughs> totally. <laughs> That's why you do a bad job, because yeah. you'd be too distracted being like, is she going to do that thing I, on the bed? I don't <laughs> Is this what sexy is? This no, is what sexy is. I just that I was know. my mindset watching. Can you imagine me question. as a security guard? I'm just saying. I no, I can't. Moving on. Everyone would be in a whole lot of trouble. Yeah. Or no trouble at all, which is the point. <laughs> Different kind of trouble. So Tim, again, young guy, first game. Reggie Miller is like a star, whatever. Yeah. Tim the ref makes a call against Reggie Miller on Reggie's home court. Yeah. They're gonna call an offensive foul on Reggie Miller. Indiana fans just went berserk and were throwing stuff on the floor for felt like two hours. The place it's was crazy. Basically, I can't believe, malice at the palace. I can't believe there wasn't a document. I was like, wait, what I game know. is this? Is I this know. the game that we covered? Oh my god! Because people are going crazy. They're throwing shit on the it's court. Woodstock '99. They're pelting people with plastic bottles. And it's like, can we not? I. <laughs> it's not I like mean, they t- they killed Reggie in front no. of everyone. They made a call against him. And Tim is like, um, there's like a few seconds left in the game. Can we just finish the fucking no. game? They're like, we can't. It's too dangerous to finish. 
finish things. There's water all over the court now. And Tim's like, I stand by my call. I it was know. a very tough call. Tim stood his ground. And after being watched and analyzed while basically they're trying to rip the roof off the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone else is like, no, Tim made the right call. And that gave him a lot of credibility in the business. Because it's yeah. his first game out. He stands up to Reggie Miller and seemingly the entire state of Indiana. Can you imagine? I love that Reggie Miller is basically, do you know who I am? He's like, what the? This is my, literally my I house. I know, I know. I built this shit. But it's like, obey the rules, Reggie Miller. And I, that's part of the game. They're exactly. all fouling each other for the right. point. Like, whatever. I don't think Reggie, like, How encouraged did we end people. up here? I, I why know. are we talking about basketball? I don't know. I think Reggie Miller would like our little program. I think so, too. But every time I was writing about the court, I had to remember not to call it the stage. I, like, I truly was like, I think I have intermission stage. in here a I have intermission, of course. You know. What are we not? We're not monsters. No. But Tim gets a reputation as this honest stand-up ref, right? Yes. That's the whole point. Because he yeah. stood up on this game, right? So we meet Tommy Martino, Tim's partner in crime, <laughs> according to his wife. I made a lot of bad decisions as a kid. One day, when I was in first grade, this bird took a shit on the pole. And I'm thinking to myself, I wanted to taste the bird shit. So I tasted the bird shit. Maybe early on, I had a penchant for risk-taking. He describes the act of tasting the bird shit as the most exhilarating thing he ever did. He's like, that's when I knew I was destined for a life of taking for chances. risk taking. Yeah. What is the point of the story? You ate bird shit, Tom. Like. You ate bird shit. Tom, like in any other school, you'd be the outcast kid. I'm like, that's the story you chose to tell Netflix? I know. There wasn't another one that made you feel a little, maybe like, I don't know, what, 60 and a 55 <laughs> mile an hour? I don't know, a little something. That's driving, right? I, the one time you snuck backstage at Lilith Fair, right. Tommy. You know tell what I mean? That story. Tell, tell that story. Story we're interested in. Can you imagine? Tommy. I love that Cheryl Crow would be like, actually, what the guy, what's he doing what's here? He, what's the harm? What's this guy's story. So now we meet Jimmy Batista, aka Baba. Baba yeah. and Tim the ref were not friends. They were just acquaintances, everyone, so don't even try it. I gotta tell you, I hate this guy, Jimmy, but I think every single thing he says is the truth. I agree. I think everything he says is the truth. So I'm gonna let's do a little something here. Yeah. Tommy the middleman was the link between Jimmy the gambler and yeah. Tim the ref. Because once again, we're dealing with Tommy, Timmy, and Jimmy. Right. I, he I, did it though. I, he said it there. Look, I'm gonna knock this one out of the park. So I, I know I, you are. I got this. I know you are. Yeah. But we're that Tommy the middleman, yes. Jimmy the gambler, Tim the ref, that's how you're gonna hear them. Totally. In perpetuity. In perpetuity. In perpetuity. So they all went to high school together. <laughs> Say it again. In perpetuity. <laughs> you know what? It kind of sounds like tits, and that's why I like it. That's why. It's a little, it's tits adjacent. <laughs> what? Perpetuity. Put that on a t shirt. Perpetuity. Come on. And like legal. Hey, you know what? You got font? a great perpetuity. See? Because then it's a pair of tits. I can't I l- believe I'm allowed to say that. Until you're not. I don't know. Check your DMs. Who knows? Totally. <laughs> So Jimmy the Gambler was a server at this restaurant called Lombardo's, owned by Louis Lump Lombardo. <laughs> Lombardo's is famous. Right, but this is the one in Philly. Oh. This is not the Lombardo's we're thinking of. Is that different? Yeah, I think so. I don't know if it, it might be affiliated, but it's not the Lombardo's you're thinking of oh. in New York. Well, look, so this guy Jimmy, right, he's a waiter at this Lombardo's place. He's talking about how, like, he's waiting tables, but he's also, like, taking bets for people. Illegal sports bets. Yeah, and he's like, the world of waiting tables opened my eyes. People are partying, doing coke. He wants to live the good life. Right, and he's like, this is a great way to make some easy money. So, but the, I just wanted to point out here that taking the bets at the restaurant is a great way to make easy money. He said, I was just trying to make $300 a night waiting tables. This guy is <laughs> waiting tables in the 80s yeah. making 300 bucks a night. I did the calculator. That is $830 a night. That's that like, is $230,000 a, a year. That's insane. With still getting two weeks off. I did a lot of math the on cash that. Cash business? Yeah. Come on. Cash be- I mean, that's like making $500,000. Jesus Christ. I know. Also, it's never easy money gambling. No. Are you uh, kidding me? Well, like, waiting tables is no walk in the park. No, it's not. But I'm saying like, oh, get easy. Like, it's yeah. just, it's not, it's a slippery slope. You know? 100%. So we got a gambling code at Lumps. <laughs> a nickel was 500. A dime is 1,000. A stick is 100,000. And if you got into my world, you were dealing with balloons and that was a million. Nickel, dime, stick, and balloon. If you didn't know what they were, you weren't invited to the party. I just can't, like, who's betting a million bucks over a stake? And who's saying with a straight face, give me a 10 balloons on the fucking Reggie Miller game? 
10 balloons. And this is where we learn about Jimmy's associates. He calls them the animals. They're like bookmakers from Philadelphia and not like the little elves that live in trees and sew the books together. They're gambling bookmakers. What are the elf bookmakers? I only know these kind of bookmakers. <laughs> just saying, when he said we were bookmakers, I was like, yeah, but you're not like wearing the pointy shoes and the little hat, like sewing together like nursery rhymes. Don't they make cookies, in- those elves? Well, the- but these are the ones that work at the North Pole. They make books for the babies. You lost me. me is this too. a real thing? No. You're making it up. No. I don't know. I'm like, I know the elves that make the cookies, the no, Keebler elves. No, this is real. The elves live at the North Pole right. and they wear the pointed shoe and they sew the book. No, it's, this is, it's a re- it's real. But anyway. Uh, anyway. So what they were, the thing, these animals, these book, that's what they're called. The, the animals, makers, The bookmakers yeah. from Philly. Jimmy goes, we were taking money out of people's pockets and we were feeling good. Jimmy just... <laughs> Jimmy, you're, yeah. Jimmy's, Jimmy's like Vegas. He's exactly who he is. But the thing is, he's saying any sporting event that we can get inside information on college football, college basketball, NBA. We didn't care what league it was. If it was two fucking cockroaches, it's about getting the right information. And I had a good personality to get information out of people on a one-to-one basis. We would get insider information. Right. And I was like, how? And what kind? We get answers to those questions. Right. So it was giving them a major advantage because they were like, no, they weren't just like, I like the guys with the right. blue uniforms. Uh-huh. Like, they have a pretty, I like their mascot, <laughs> totally. which is how I would bet. Is, is there like a wolf? Is there a wolf totally. team? <laughs> is there someone who dresses in all black? What yeah. team is that? <laughs> Put a 10 balloons on that one. Yeah, yeah no, no, I yeah. want them. Yeah, it's yeah. the Miami Zoros. Unless, Unless they're playing against a bear of some kind, and then we're gonna have to have a conversation. The Philadelphia Bears. You got that, Baba? Uh, Baba's the Bear Zoros game was a real blast. Uh, anyway, I got two nickels on a Zoro. There you go. <laughs> This is a real mess, Tom. Good luck. So Tim, the ref, says, look, the NBA wants you to think that there are these, like, serious rules we all have to play by. This is Tim, the referee. Yeah. Yeah. I said Tim, the ref. Oh, you did? Okay. (laughs) I'm just making sure he knows. And he goes, that's not really true. There was a game within the game. I got to tell you, if I was a real sports fan, I would be really bummed to learn this. Because it's all, everything is fixed. Right. And I think Tim takes, like, no real accountability here. Uh But I also think the NBA is, like, all about money. And I totally, like, after what we learned at Malice at the Palace, like, the, the commissioner is a piece of shit. So I mean, like everyone's on the take. Right? If there's an opportunity to make money, everyone's going to do it. And so here's an example. So yeah. the NBA was cracking down on some kind of spin move. The NBA tells all the officials to call traveling on the spin move, which is like a foul, right? Right. But not on players like Michael Jordan. These people that pay thousands of dollars to sit courtside here, they didn't come here to see Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Shaquille O'Neal sit on the bench. They came to see them play. No one wants to pay all this money and see Michael Jordan sit on the bench. They want to see him play. Exactly. And then Tim learns this the hard way because he calls a foul on Michael Jordan and then he gets everyone gets mad at him. Right. So the according to Tim the ref, the NBA was all about making superstars and then protecting them against certain calls and fouls. Yes. Like rules didn't apply to Reggie Miller. So the refs become like brothers. They, they, they travel together. There's only 50 of them. Like they all become close. And Tim the ref becomes best friends with Scott Foster. Yes. They were like brothers. And we learn that the refs have this one golden rule. Only 50 people in the world get to do this job. You get one of these jobs. There's one thing you can't do and that's place bets of any kind. You can't gamble at casinos. You also can't like make a $5 bet with your friend on anything. On anything. You can't do that. Like it's in their contract, And it's the only thing all of them fucking do all the time. They all What is wrong with these people? So they'd be on the road, they'd hit up a casino or they'd bet on games amongst themselves and and Tim Tim the ref is trying to downplay us. He's like, you know, it'd be like small bets, like 50 bucks or whoever loses has to pay for dinner or whatever. But these have real world repercussions because right. like so let's say like the refs are like hey whoever makes the first foul call tonight in the game that guy's got to pay for dinner we did it one time and got to the two or three minute mark of the first quarter and bodies were fucking flying all over the place a lot of that stuff went on we see a game where they had one of those and it's 10 minutes of these guys basically punching each other in the face and not calling fouls and yeah. none of the refs are calling fouls because they don't want to pay for dinner. and we keep hearing the commentators like the actual footage of the game and yeah. all the people commenting on the game are like these are the worst refs we've ever seen like that comes up a lot yeah. right so now all of a sudden Tim the ref starts to change he has mood swings Kim his wife like never knows what Tim she's gonna get yeah. she never knows who's gonna walk through the door maybe he's gonna be happy and nice or maybe he's stressed and angry and on the phone because Tim was always on the phone yeah we we learn about his friend Jack Concannon, who's like the guy he's always on the phone with. Kim, the wife, refers to him as his girlfriend. All right, enough. Um, <laughs> Jack and Cannon, they're on the phone 
five to six times a day. Yeah. And they played golf three to four times a week. That's a lot of golf. That's no? a lot Even of golf. if you super love golf, isn't that like the Sunday afternoon? Yeah. So to play golf three to four times a week. And I could be wrong. I know sure. nothing about golf, but it seems like a whole lot of golf. It seems like a whole lot of and golf. And a lot of phone calls. What's going on? Well, what we learn is that the two of them are like placing bets all over the place. So like the one thing they're not allowed to do, right. they are doing all the time. And now it's ramping up. But Tim wants us to know, not basketball j- just yet, <laughs> right. but you know, they were betting on football and baseball. It is in your contract. That you can't make any bets. You can't bet your own daughter that you can get dressed faster than she can. Right. If I had to live by that rule, Daisy would be naked all oh the time. <laughs> let's not. Let's not. It's the only way to get her dressed. She's got to win. Oh, my God. She's in the Go Fish right now. We have to play four Ooh, rounds every morning. People still play Go Fish? She loves it so much. Oh, my God. I used to love Go Fish. I was putting her to bed last night, and as I, I thought she was asleep, she rolls over and goes, Daddy. Do you have any sevens? <laughs> She goes, can we play go fish tomorrow morning? Yes, yes. yes. Go to sleep, little one. Totally. Do you have any sevens? <laughs> but these two guys. Tim and Jack, they become betting partners, whatever Tim, that means. Tim and Jack are betting. They're like winning or losing five to $10,000 per day. Which is why he's so stressed and exactly. why he's so upset. But eventually, I think Jack was sort of playing the long game here. Yeah. They're going to be betting partners. They're going to bet on this and this and not basketball. But uh-huh. eventually, they're on the golf course or whatever. And Jack asks Tim the ref to help him pick winners for basketball games. So in my brain, I'm like, how on earth would he do that? He just fucking does it. So he does it. And then suddenly, like, Jack's team wins all three games. And you're like, wait, how? There was a lot of different information I could use to make these picks. Referees would share information with each other. Maybe a referee had an issue with a coach or a player. Maybe a trainer came into the locker room before the game, said a couple of their players were hurt. A lot of it was inside information. So, like, the refs all share info with each other. So, it's like, oh, Jillian's refing the Miami. Reggie Miller game. Right. The Reggie Miller versus the Nancy Kerrigan game. Sure. And that would be a sight to see. She know, and we, and I know that Jillian hates Nancy Kerrigan. So, I know she's going to, like, be harder on her fouls right. and make her, you know, like, make her lose the game. Of course. So, I know if Jillian's refing. No, I'm not, of course. I'd be very honest. <laughs> right. But if Jillian's refing that game, then the Reggie Miller team is going to win. You know what I mean? And that's what Tim is doing. And to me, it's like, it's so obvious. And he's yeah. even saying it. And it's like, what are we doing here? Right. What's the, what's the issue? It's so clear. But this is where, I, where I'm saying, like, if I were a sports fan, I'd be so heartbroken to know this. Of that, course. like, the refs take sides, the refs get mad at players or coaches, and they take out their aggression by making so their team lose. it's childish. Yeah. It's, like, you're mad at Reggie Miller? <laughs> Too fucking bad. <laughs> right. So, Jack and Cannon, here's how this all ties together. Jack and Cannon is placing his bets with the animals, those, yes. those bookmakers in Philly. Yeah. And they're starting to notice, these these animals, Jimmy the gambler, that Jack is betting more and more. He used to yeah. just bet a couple and hundred bucks. And he's always bucks, winning. And now he's betting thousands and Jimmy the gambler Baba puts it together Jack must have had some inside info because he was never betting like this and he was never winning like this what's going on and yeah. Jimmy loves inside information exactly because that's how he makes his money too so Jimmy knock 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 goes to Jack I want to be put in touch with your guy I want the information that you have because I want to make money on this too exactly and it's also like who was hurt like little things that were in public like if he was on the floor and he saw like oh that guy's gonna because they don't always t- they don't always make that public like right. sometimes athletes will be out and it's like uh, he has a cold but uh, really because yeah. they don't want the other team to know like he's weak or whatever right but refs are sharing information refs are just saying like oh the major like the best players on this team are all out tonight right. so Tim's like oh vote like pick the other team they're gonna win and all of this information informs who's winning and the point of it is to say that Tim and Tim is gonna maintain until the end of time that he never actually fixed any games he didn't do anything with his hands to cause the other team to lose or gain points he's just using his knowledge of who's not playing tonight who that ref doesn't like Right. which coach is on the outs to say the likelihood is they're going to have a bad game. So bet on the other team. Because what is sort of a big reveal that they kind of drive right by yeah. is that these bets were happening on games that Tim was officiating. Yes. Which means that Tim could really make things work in his favor, subconsciously or not. But right. they sort of like go right by that. And that's really important. This is like really snowballing yeah. and Tim can't fix it or like stop it. Right. But it's not like Tim, Even I wouldn't even buy it anyway if Tim was like, well, it was never my game. Right. It yeah. was his game. Yeah. It was his game, but it was also other games. Like so there'd be like sometimes like three games in a night. Sure. You know? Yeah. So Jimmy, he's the one who's like the big gambler waiter Jimmy guy. Jimmy the gambler. Jimmy the gambler. He has a falling out with the animals. They go their separate ways. We don't know why, but I'm sure it's petty as fuck. Can you- I'm sure it's like, he looked at me wrong. He disrespected me. 
It's always about respect oh and loyalty. Oh my God. But he says, fuck the animals. I'm going to go straight to Tim right. and be his guy. I'm going to be Tim's guy. So Jimmy is friends with Tommy. Right. Tommy is friends with Tim. So Jimmy goes to Tommy, hey, set up a meeting with this Tim guy. I want to sit down and have a one-on-one with him. Can we, just before we get there, yeah. talk about this horrifying video of Jimmy the Gambler at Tommy the Middleman's wedding? Oh my God. He's Coked out of his mind. fucking hammered. Yeah. He's screaming into the microphone, yo, sit down, bitch. <laughs> At the wedding. And I was like, who is he talking to? The bride. He Are goes, you serious? He goes, I just want to say, Tommy yeah. Petty, I just freaking love you. I just love you. And I hope you have oh. many, many little kids, honey. And then he goes, I love you. You better take care of him because he's yeah. the best paying boss in the world. Oh and I'm my like, God. are you saying that she works for him? Uh-huh. Because Tommy the middleman is not... Jimmy the Gambler's boss. No, right. So exactly. what the fuck are you saying, coked up? I don't bad-ass. know. I was trying to not. But as soon as I heard him say the word bitch, I was like, I have to look away. Yo, sit down, bitch. Yo. At a wedding into the microphone. <laughs> you sit down. Hearing you say it is what? Do it again. Yo, sit down, bitch. It's all D's. <laughs> hey, oh, hey, give me the phone. However they say give it in me Philly. The phone. Give me the phone, bitch. Whatever. I hate that I just said that. That was horrifying. <laughs> so Tommy sets up a meeting at the Marriott between himself, Jimmy, and Tim. And the producer says to one of them, Why is everybody's story about the Marriott so different? Uh, I think it's a, it's a, it's a, um, Dave, can we cut for a sec? <laughs> and Tommy the middleman's like, can we cut? Because I'm yeah. not talking about this on camera. Totally. And now Tim the ref is telling us that he made it clear to everyone, I don't want to get caught bookmaking. I can't ever be near Jimmy the Gambler. Yeah, this so, makes sense to me. Right, of course. So Tommy the middleman doesn't tell Tim the ref that Jimmy the Gambler's coming. <laughs> totally. According to, and who are we going to believe oh, here, honestly? No. Right, so the three of them like show up at the Marriott. Tim is pissed. Like, what the fuck is this guy doing here? But sits down for dinner anyway. And like has this little meeting. So, but like, also, what kind of restaurants, like, at the Marriott and Darien, Connecticut? You know I what I mean? Like, we're talking about food service, room service, totally. or, like, they ordered in. Or, like, one of those, like, things where you can order a pre-made they sandwich. They from Outback. And, oh, well, now Probably. you're talking. Bloomin' Onion. Oh, my God. That Starving. sounds delicious. I know. <laughs> so, Jimmy the Gambler makes Tim the ref a deal. Yeah. According to whoever. Jimmy says, give me all the information you have, all that same info that you were giving your friend Jack when you were golfing. Yeah. Give it only to me. If we win the bet, I'll give you two grand. If we lose, nothing happens. You don't owe me anything, whatever. Is it insane? Like, am I wrong or does that sound like not enough money? He's putting everything in his life on the line for two grand? Per game. But, like, it's not that many games. You know what I mean? But it's also, like, all we hear about is that Tim has this great life. He's making $500,000 a year. It's just a little extra money for kind of no work. I guess. And he doesn't owe them. I guess, but I'm like... Give me a hundred grand. Like this guy, Jimmy's trading a million bucks a game or more. Right. Because that's the thing. So, I mean, honestly, if that's true, it's kind of a fantastic deal because you can be making eight grand a night. I, that just doesn't, for what he's doing and for what he has on the line, that doesn't sound like a lot of money to me. Yeah. You know what I I mean? I I think it's all ridiculous. But then we get this insane story. So Tim's mulling it over. He hasn't made a decision one way or the other. Tom gets up to go to the bathroom and Tim, the ref, tells us that while Tom was in the bathroom, Jimmy looks at him and says, look. While you're thinking about this, you really wouldn't want someone calling the NBA telling them what you've been doing. Worse, you wouldn't want someone going down to Florida and visiting that pretty little wife and kids of yours, right. would you? He's like, nice kneecaps. It would be a real shame right. if something happened to him. <laughs> now, Tommy the middleman <laughs> is like, I sit was... Sit down, bitch. Sit down, bitch. Um, Tommy the middleman is like, I was in the bathroom. Yeah. I don't know. But he yeah. also says, because Tim the ref is like, I was terrified. Like, I, like the only reason I agreed to this is because my life and my family and everyone was threatened. Yeah. Had he not made that threat, would you have bet with him? No. No, if, if it wasn't for that, I definitely would not have bet with him because I knew he was just a, a schmuck and an asshole. Because he's a schmuck and an asshole. Right. So Jimmy, cut to Jimmy the gambler. He goes, are you kidding me? He if we was ever thrilled. write a book together, it should be called The Schmuck and an Asshole. Yeah. Who's, I'm the schmuck. Okay, great. I call it. Um, <laughs> yeah, great. Whatever. Great. So cut to Jimmy the gambler, who's like, are you kidding? He was thrilled to work with us. He was so psyched he was going to make a ton of money. He goes, I've done a lot of fucked up things, but yeah. I'm not going to like threaten someone's family. I believe every word he's saying, because it's corroborated by Tom. Because he says, he goes, you don't win people over by threatening them. Yes. You get more bees with honey. And I'm like, he's absolutely right. And Tommy the middleman goes, look, I wasn't there, <laughs> but I'm going to tell you. He goes, I've never seen Jimmy the gambler threaten anybody. It's not his style. And he'd actually be pissed if people thought it was his style. And because 
because it's bad for business. And more than that, he's like, it wasn't a life or death situation. It was like, no. look, this would be a great deal for Jimmy if it works out. If it doesn't, then he'll find some other he'll, way of making money. Because he always did. But it's also like, so I believe Jimmy 100%. Yeah. But why is Tim lying about this? Because it takes away accountability. Uh-huh. I was threatened. Like, I was forced I to, to do, do this. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. So Tim the ref and Jimmy the gambler never speak directly, but they're betting together. Yeah. All the all, bets it's all going through Tom. Tommy the middleman, hence the nickname <laughs> Tommy the middleman. And You're they, real good with the nicknames, I gotta say. It's easy. <laughs> it's the Pensavale in me, you know? So they'd use all these stupid code words, the home team, the away game, my brother's team, my this, my that, whatever. Who cares? So Jimmy the Gambler was moving like two to three million per game. I mean, and sometimes multiple games a night. Like this is like tens of millions of dollars. Right. So we get all these, we get this like long montage about the information that Tim the ref used to call the games. And remember, he was officiating them. So there was a game where like, just another example to show like how dirty this game is. And if you're like a true basketball fan, ouch, and I'm sorry, but this is like, this is going to stink. Yeah. I love that we are like, number one, if there's a true yeah, basketball fan listening they to know. this podcast, I'd be sure. Make yourself known. There in the are Facebook after group. Malice at the Palace. They were like, oh my God. Like, oh my God, we really? definitely have listeners who yeah. are like into this. We're not teaching you anything. No. So there was a game where all the refs all knew that they were going to go after this player, Allen Iverson, for yeah. these like palming violations uh-huh. because Allen Iverson threatened a ref, apparently. Uh-huh. I don't, this is all coming from like the most unreliable narrators, right? <laughs> it's also like Iverson, bad look. Don't threaten a ref. What are you doing? We decided before the game we were going to call palming violations on him. We knew he did it. We knew we could call it, but nobody ever did. Bernie called the first one. I called the second one. It was a situation where it was going to put Iverson at a disadvantage and Denver at a disadvantage. So I told Batista to bet Utah. So now they're going to, like, foul him like crazy during the game, which, of course, he was, like, one of the best players on the team. That's going to affect the outcome of the of game. Of course. And for Tim to be here, and to sit here and be like, I don't know. I just told him I didn't do Like, Tim, <laughs> yes, you did. And all the refs were in on it together. Like, it's so petty. And Jimmy is watching the game. And to him, he's, he's so nervous because it seems so obvious. He just pops a couple of Oxycontin. Yeah. Just take, take the edge off. Horrifying. I know. So now we're back to Kim, the wife. Yeah. And Kim starts her story. Yeah. She starts finding wads of money in Tim the ref's pockets like just hundreds of dollars in cash and she says like I don't think I want to know where this came from Tim. and look I understand like what could you possibly have done about it if he decides he's going to do it he's going to do it but don't play stupid Kim don't do it you know what I mean like you're better than that Kim. right <laughs> so now we're with Phil Scal of the FBI I feel oh like my we've God. met him before because he's part of the team that took down John Gotti I think so too I think he kind of ends up being trash here as well but we'll get there and this the end of it really goes off the rails well but it's it just like yeah well yeah, we'll get there. So in 2006, he was the supervisor of the FBI Gambino squad, the Gambino crime family. The Gambino squad, the mob, we're talking yeah. like murder investigations and international drugs well, and extortions. Like This guy took down John Gotti. Right. Like, it's a big deal. So, but the point, we're like, what does this have to do with betting on basketball games in Philly? I'll yeah, tell you. Yeah. They had a lot of wires. They were listening in on every single Remember phone Remember when we covered Fear City, they're like, it, all they had was just tapes for days. And all they did was scream about how they're going to bash some guy's head in and murder them. Like, they right. were a little right. slow on the uptake yeah, yeah. with the wiretaps. <laughs> And if you go to the Mob Museum in Vegas, you can hear them all. It's oh my wild. God, is that right? It's crazy. Oh my God. One of the peripheral wires picked up something about inside information going on with the NBA. not even looking for it. They just hear it because the mob is just fucking talking about it. And they're not just talking about it. They're calling Tim by name. They call him (laughs) Tim Donaghy on the wiretap. It's just like, if you're going to do something this illegal and like for this much money, you're going to get caught one way or the other. And working with guys who know the mob or or social, whatever. So now the Gambino family's involved, which means Phil from the FBI's involved. Yeah. Great job, Tim. (laughs) I mean, it was all by accident, you know? No, it wasn't. (laughs) Tim had a life where he lived in the big McMansion and $500,000 yeah. a year and more cars and this. And he had a life where he can go golfing four times a week I and know. he chose to do this for what? A couple extra thousand dollars a week? Which is a lot of money but not with his lifestyle. It's a lot of money but I also think he's not being honest there. He's too. not you being know, honest no. and Tim, no. I don't believe you. <laughs> She's so mad. Like you know, I, I, that's what like. Why do we ever think these criminals are going to tell us the truth? Because people like Jimmy the Gambler do 
tell I the guess truth. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Like sometimes yeah. they're just like, yeah, like what do you want? Yeah, because Tim is here to say now, like I knew I shouldn't be doing this. I'd have like moments of like, oh god, this is so terrible. But I'm getting two thousand dollars per game, and I'm getting it right seventy to eighty percent of the time. But there's more money, and yeah. Tim is never going to be honest with us about how much money he makes. A million percent. Because they just keep winning and yeah. winging. Yeah. They're blowing the money at strip clubs. They're buying drugs. They're doing a ton of drugs. At one point, he goes, yeah, I bought my wife ten thousand dollar earrings for her birthday. She's, She's wearing, wearing them, them today. <laughs> She's today. Like, I never. Are they still together? I don't know. I can't tell if they're still but together or not. she's not taking those earrings no. out of her ears. She's afraid she's me. She's afraid she's going to lose them. And Tim says, you know, things normally I wouldn't buy, I just kept buying it. That is not smart. <laughs> no. You lay low. Didn't you ever see Goodfellas? You lay I know. low. And also bury some of that cash in the woods. You know this is going to go bad. Like When people think they're going to get away with this forever, it makes no sense to Right. Me. And also that Tim is going to, then Tim, why are you here if you're just going to lie to us? Because Tim maintains. I wasn't fixing the games. So I wasn't going to go out there whether we lost 10 in a row and fix a game. I had inside information, and that's all I needed to make these picks correct. All I did was pass on information. Cut yeah. to Jimmy, the gambler, and also me. Get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> what are you, like, Tim, you were calling fouls on Allen Iverson. Then you yeah. told everyone to bet on that game. You knew what you were going to do. Like, yeah. Tim, shut up. I mean, up. Tim's argument is I never actually did any of the bad fouling. I would just say, like, I know we're all going after Iverson, so bet on the other team. I don't believe you, Tim. I don't believe, and because eventually it's pointed out that, like, you had to win. You're, like, you're in bed with the fucking mafia. If you weren't winning 70 to 80 of the time they'd fucking kill you and that number is absolutely correct because they bet 47 games with yeah. Tim they won 37 of those bets which is 78.7% yeah and the code word by the way to keep your mouth shut was cranberries, cranberries. and they never explain why eventually Jimmy goes none of these guys with cranberries I was a cranberry and I'm like what are we doing here that is amazing so this was supposed to be like a three person operation right yeah. just the Jimmy the gambler Tommy the middleman Tim the ref but apparently Jimmy the gambler was giving all this information to the mob and to which he goes did I dine with the Gambino family from time to time of course I did I'm but like, he's saying Dude. that so Jimmy we say he's telling the truth all the time he says he's not giving the info to the mob someone's lying how about how does the how, mob know then you know what I because mean because they don't say this ref up in Philly they say Tim Donaghy exactly they have this guy's name exactly someone's so lying. Jimmy you're lying come on now so maybe there's some holes in my story maybe we don't believe every single thing he says. Right, because even the FBI guys were like... Now, was he somebody who was going to the weddings? Was he somebody who was going to the funerals? Was he somebody who was going to hang out in the clubs? No. He wasn't a made guy. But whether he wants to admit it or not, he was making big money for all those entities. From what we understood, somewhere between 20 and $30 million. If you're making $20 million, I don't know what it means to be a made guy, but wouldn't that be enough to get invited to the fucking wedding? No, no, no. no. Oh, made guy is totally different. Did you see the terror? I, look at those. She knows more than we think she knows. She knows more than we, we mafia princess. I'm just saying, to be a made guy, <laughs> it's a big deal. What does she know? Watch The Sopranos and they'll all tell you. <laughs> So now the FBI is involved and Operation Flagrant Foul is launched. Like That's, that's like a the actual real thing. thing. So the FBI goes right to Tommy the middleman first. Yeah. They're like, we're going to subpoena him for the grand jury. Tommy's sick about it. He folds like that. But we also, and I guess I don't know if I believe this or not, Tom tells us at some point he was doing all this for free. He's like, sometimes Tim would give me money when he was like handed a, a trash bag full of cash. Right. But like Tom's the middleman for like this trading tens of millions of dollars a week and he's doing it for free. I, so I guess really? I'd fold too. He says that in here. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And they were also going to, like, parade his mother who was, who was like, fighting cancer, like, put her on the stand. And, and And he was like, it's not worth it. Like, goodbye, whatever. Yeah. He goes to, like, testify in front of the grand jury. But then they go, next stop on the FBI's list is right. to go see Jimmy. And Jimmy's like, they go looking for him at an AA meeting that he goes to all uh -huh. the time. And he gets a text from one of his buddies who's like, the FBI is here looking for you. He says, tell them to meet me at the Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> And then he doesn't a man say a after word. My own Steel heart. trap. I know. Steel trap. He doesn't. He's not a rat. Right? Exactly. So Tim, the ref, is at the country club. He goes, "I'm about to break in a new set of irons." To which I say, "Tim, shut." Up. And why are you throwing away this life? Right. You know what I mean? The FBI is just saying like, hey, Timmy. Yeah. Sorry to bother you, but we really got to talk to you about this betting thing. And so Tim is like, he knows the fucking jig is up. He like runs home. He pulled up in the golf cart and he came in and I remember his exact words. That fucking Tommy. He would never talk about Tommy like that. He said, I have to talk to you. He was in the fetal position on the bed, and he said, I took some money, and I've been doing some things. 
Kim describes him curled in a fetal position on the bed, and she's like, that's when it just hit me. That's when I just knew he's been betting on his own games. Kim, Kim, that is not something that just occurs to you in the moment, my love. Yeah, how about the time where you found, like, hundreds of dollars in cash in his pockets? And, like, no one's being honest. Nobody. So now we meet... John, Tim's lawyer, Tim the ref. And John's strategy, I always fight. I don't like negotiating. I'm always going to trial. Fight, fight, fight. And I'm like, there's got to be a better way. Yeah, and he's saying, like, the thing about what Tim did is that it is legally defensible, according to John the attorney. Right. But he advises Tim the ref to confess. Yeah. Mostly because of our wild cards, Jimmy the Gambler and Tommy the Middleman. They don't know what everyone else is saying. Because I think John's point is, like, if he takes him down to the U.S. attorney's office within 48 hours, he's like, it's the fastest I've ever taken a client. In. Great job, John. I think that he's well. What he's thinking is that like if I can get him to confess first, we'll get he'll get the best deal. Of course. Which I feel like Tim's like saying I did it. There's now proof that he's done it. The FBI is on it. I think this is a good. They're cooperating, plan. right? Yeah. Now we meet Warren Flag, former FBI agent and man who's loving every goddamn second of this. <laughs> he's been waiting for a documentary crew to show up to get his life story since the day he was born. Absolutely. I see a lot of myself he was in born Warren. like that. Totally. So he's Tim's lawyer's best friend. We're in a yeah. restaurant. He's got a full suit, sunglasses inside. He's calling all the shots. All right, let's go. Back. Sit down, bitch. All right. No, t- he would He would never. <laughs> no. Warren, a.k.a. the Flagman, is here to prep Tim on, like, how to cooperate. We know his nickname is the Flagman because he refers to himself as It's it. like they got to send in the Flagman. It's me, baby. <laughs> so the thing is, and this is going to be a struggle for Tim, the Flagman says, you got to be 100% honest. And he yes. says, you can't be a little bit pregnant. I'm like, right. yeah, I know how that works. Yeah. And Tim says over and over and over again with the FBI and to us, he never fixed games. And the FBI is like, Tim, that is impossible. You're betting on the games. Your judgment is impaired. Like, just admit that maybe on some level you knew what you were doing. And also, Phil Scala, as soon as he walks in and meets Tim for the first time, he screams in his face. Just so you know, I got John Gotti. You're sitting in the same fucking seat that John Gotti sat in. If you think you're going to lie to me, get the fuck up and leave right now. If you think you're going to lie to me, then get the fuck up and get out of here. That's the introduction to the meeting with the FBI. And you also have your lawyer saying, be honest. You have the flag man, be honest. You have the FBI guy screaming at you. And Tim is still like, "I what? I didn't do anything. Yeah. Even that he won't acknowledge, like, look, maybe, Uh but like it was never intentional. Maybe, yes, like on some level, my judgment was impaired. He won't even give us that. It's so frustrating. It is. And he must be scared for his life. Like nobody ever tells you what you're looking, you know what I mean? Like, is he going away forever? Right. You know? And now eventually he gets wiser as a lawyer says you have to admit in some way you have to you have to just sign a piece of paper let me just say this though because he does make the point he's like look if you look at my record i have one of the best calling records in the league i was rated third out of 60 people how could i be rated that and be fixing games like how could i be making wrong calls Uh to like fix games and still have like the third best record of all 50 of my colleagues yeah i don't know but your judgment was impaired (laughs) like right right it's ridiculous to not think like well this is a good call that i can make that's an honest call but it would really help. Right. And the thing that we're going to learn is that like everyone's in on it. Like well, it's, it's all like everyone's in on the scheme. And Tim is like, now hold on a second. Yeah. FBI guy. You want to scream at me? Scream at everybody else because everyone is doing this. And totally. it goes all the way up to the top. Commissioner David Stern. Remember when we were talking about how like they'd say like, hey, tonight we're focusing on the palming violation. Right. What Tim's point is that like they want the famous team with the famous player to win. So we know the guy on the other team does the palming thing. Yeah. Focus on that tonight. Yeah. And make sure all the playoff games go to seven series because we want people to tune in we want the money so they exactly. were all, it was all like it's all rigged right exactly and it's real like it really played out in front of everyone because we learn about this playoff game that has actually gone down in history as the worst <sighs> officiated game in the history of basketball and it was a game that led to a game seven yeah and everyone is on tv being like this is awful we are literally watching players punch each other in the face they're getting elbows to the and nose the refs are like huh, no weird. one's called- <laughs> but we, you hear the people like on ESPN or whatever being like, oh, knocked to the ground and no foul fall on that penetration. Lakers hoping to take it back to Sacramento for a That's number five on Weber. And this is a terrible. In front of him. And he's going to come. Oh, an elbow. Last. And it ran over Mike Bibby. Would have been an offensive foul. Is anyone going to do something? <laughs> Like, they're watching it's it unfold in real time, down here, right? Tom. And it was all to just get to game seven. Yeah, and, and then Tim says, like, the three guys who officiated the game, the most notorious game in NBA history, advanced and got bonuses. Right. 
And that's the other thing. You get bonuses if you yeah. go to Game 7. So the FBI's like, great. So let's look at a bunch of these refs who are breaking the rule. And you know how we're going to do that, Tim? You're going to wear a wire and talk to everybody. That's what we're going to do. Yeah. So what FBI Phil says is we shouldn't have told anybody. We should have kept this like on a very need-to-know basis. But Phil's boss is like, hey, I love basketball. I actually know the commissioner. Let's go talk to him and get him on our side. He'll help us. I don't understand. This is where I start to lose all of it. Like, it gets very confusing because I don't believe anyone at this point. Because when you look at it from an outside perspective, it's not in anybody's best interest for the NBA for them to acknowledge that like the refs are fixing games consciously or not. And why is the FBI laying all their cards out on the table so the NBA with all the zillions of dollars can go fix it real quick? I mean for all we know Phil's boss who convinced Phil to go see the commissioner was trying to help his friend the commissioner. Maybe. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Because he wants to see it all go to game seven. It's a little exciting. Yeah and this is wild. So the commissioner gives them access to video. We learn what these things called observers. They're basically like secret shoppers Uh who like Nobody knows who they are, but they sit in the stands and they sort of rate the refs for the game. But they're all like on the payroll of the NBA. Right. So they get access to their notes and bada bing, bada boom. It's determined that nobody's doing anything wrong. Everything turns out everything's on the up and up. And that's when FBI Phil says, well, now you can't believe anything. Exactly. Because when everything's totally perfect and puppies and rainbows. Right. Come on. No, Because what kind of gets glossed over here is that like if the commissioner of the NBA were to say, oh, my God, this one ref is on the take. That means all the refs are on the take. The entire institution of the NBA, they say, would become the W. WWF. There's no doubt in my mind that that trial would have been a bloodbath for the NBA. No doubt. People wouldn't have trusted the game anymore. Every time their team lost, you blame it on the official, whether it was right or wrong. Once you lose integrity, it's difficult to get it back. Nobody would believe in it. Nobody would care anymore. It's the WWE now. It was WWE now, exactly. But the point is, the commissioner was never going to help you with this investigation. Never. Never. And so then, like, right when Tim is now about to go undercover, because the FBI is like, fuck this, the commissioner's not going to help us, all of a sudden, somebody leaks the information, because Tim has admitted now to the commissioner of the NBA that he was on the take and that he was fixing games. Somebody now leaks that information to the press. Which means that now Tim wearing a wire and going undercover, that whole investigation is is over because now it's all about Tim the ref and what he did. And because now it can be painted in such a way where like the commissioner of the NBA can say, oh my God, this one bad ref, we uh-huh. got him. Thank God this wasn't. It's all to- over. Nothing to see yeah, here. Nothing- Thanks for the $7 billion in we ads. Got the- Remember the statement they made at the top of the episode right. where it was like, he's a criminal. There's no reason to look right. at this ever again. In case we're not making it clear, like so many refs were on the take and the commissioner was afraid that the world would find out. So instead he leaks the story about Tim right. to the world news. And now they can say it was just this one bad guy and we got him. So Tim pleads guilty, gambling and wire fraud. Tommy the middleman... He pleads guilty to wire fraud. Can I just say they will all the Tom pleads guilty to wire fraud for using his cell phone to cheat the NBA. They will get you on wire fraud. Oh yeah. If you are doing any of this shit, a wire Especially fraud. Especially now you're texting everything. It Come applies. On. Look, we're not talking about telegrams, people. No. We're talking about any sort of electronic communication is wire fraud. Yes. And Jimmy, the gambler, he goes, Oh, those two, they weren't cranberries. They folded. <laughs> Explain just tell me why. Tell me the genesis of why the word cranberry means keep I know. your mouth shut. Maybe they hated that Irish band, the cranberry. Berries, they just wanted them to Dolores stop Dolores O'Riordan, right? Dolores O'Riordan, oh, I think. No idea. She's great. The cores, they are not. The cores. <laughs> Go leave on. me breathless. Leave me breathless. I love that song. So Jimmy kept his mouth shut for as long as possible, Jimmy the Gambler, because he wanted to go to court against the NBA. Now, Jimmy the Gambler is amped up right I now. I got to tell you, though, Jimmy the Gambler is kind of like, because everybody else takes deals, he's like, he tells his team, don't take a deal. No. There's no way the NBA wants to go to court over this. I will spill all the fucking tea. He's going to be real patient. Yeah. He's not doing a thing. And they dropped everything except the gambling. And Jimmy was like, I was going to cop to that anyway. I mean, it's kind of a genius strategy because he knows they go to court. Jimmy takes the stand. He tells everything he knows. Yep. Yeah. So Tim, the ref, gets 15 months in federal prison. Tommy, the middleman, gets a year and a day. <laughs> a year and a day. And Jimmy, the gambler, gets 15 months. Yeah. And like FBI Phil says, like, look, Tim's accusations, according to FBI Phil, that Tim, the ref's accusations about like everyone was in on it didn't really check out. Or at the very least, they couldn't indict anyone else. And Kim is now crying. saying, How do you explain to a five-year-old that their dad's going to prison? You know, (laughs) I told them that dad made a mistake and he took some money and he wasn't supposed to. So he had to go to timeout camp. Daddy had to go to timeout camp. Yeah, I I don't. (laughs) 
I do not envy that position of how to tell no. a kid that your dad's going away. No, and, and again, I say to Kim, I think you knew. I don't think you could have stopped him. I don't no. think there's anything you could have done. But I mean, tell me that you knew, Kim. This, this really did ramp up. Like, he really, like, got lost in it. Like, yeah. almost like the power. I don't know what was going on. But there's all this weird stuff. Like, Jimmy the Gambler is all about these conspiracy theories that the FBI was working with the commissioner who was working with Tim. Like, Jimmy Girl, it's not that big. But, but it's also not that small because yes. we know, we know that, like, for example... FBI Phil, the guy who got John Gotti, is yeah. like, no, it was only Tim. It was only Tim and we got him. We see that Tim was calling his friend Scott Foster his BFF. as many times or more than he was calling like Tom and that other guy. Jack. So like, the, and Scott is another ref. And they're, they're like uh, over 11,000 phone calls in a month. He was calling Scott before during yes. and after the games. Tim's like, we were just calling to tell each other jokes. Right. That's his excuse. Right. During intermission, Tim? The, and the point of this is just to say, like, it's wild to see Phil Scala of the FBI, the guy who got John Gotti, saying, nope, it was just him. When it was clearly at least also Scott, and they would know that. Like, he's lying to us. And Scott Foster was cleared. He's still yes. working, but people on TV are complaining about his calls, like, yes. to this day. Yeah. So, Scott and his wife dropped him and his wife like hot potatoes. Yeah. They don't want anything to do with them. And this is the part where we learn that Tim is saying he only made between $30,000 and $40,000 on this whole thing. Come on, the Tim. The producer says to Tim, I think that you're concerned that you would appear well off. It's only problematic if that you made more money than you said you did. Right. Right? Sure. Did you make more money than you said you did? I don't know. Tim looks right into the camera and goes, I don't know. I don't know. Two minutes later, the producer says to him again, I just asked you if you made more money than you admitted to, and you said, I don't know. And Tim goes, oh, I must have misunderstood the question. No, you didn't, Tim. I definitely didn't make any more money than I said I did. This is like one of the, the people in Lula Rich who like never wanted to say how much money she made because uh -huh. she was scamming all of her neighbors in the cul-de-sac. <laughs> and if they knew that they were right. like destitute and she was a millionaire, it yeah. wouldn't go over well. We're, this is what we're dealing with with Tim. Exactly. But you know what? If Tim is taking the fall for the corruption of the NBA, good. I hope he made more money. I guess, you but know? like, it's so stupid. Yeah. Like, I just wish everyone, I know I sound like such a, I don't know, but like, can't we just all be honest with each other? I know. This was definitely one of those episodes that did not end on a satisfying note. Because we went in five different directions at yeah. the end. Yeah. And then it just ends with Jimmy the Gambler screaming at us about how everyone's a rat, no one's a cranberry. And I'm like, I don't, Jimmy, let's go to Lumps and talk about totally. it. Totally. Oh my God, girl. What's it called? What did we do? We did Untold Operation Flagrant Foul. But it also ends with, by 2018, the NBA embraced sports gambling. And now they're oh, doing yeah. like the legal stuff. And I'm like, yeah, them and everyone else. I mean, it's just so wild. It's wild. Anyway, fam, join us on the Patreon. Over 350 full ad-free bonus episodes. Yeah, to that's download right. Binge right this second. Tons of video content. You can see our live shows. Yep. Lots of stuff from Obsessed Fest. Yeah, and like the ad-free versions of these episodes. And then like the long series, like Relentless and Finding yeah. Andrea and all that stuff. Listen, opening night of my book party tour was... Was last week. This weekend, I'm going to be in Boston. The show is sold out. Fun! I know, but then I'm coming everywhere. So okay, get, get on the website. Come see me. I want to meet you. I'm taking pictures. We're doing dance parties. We're playing a game. It's going to be a whole thing. And it was great that time I was there last week. Because I... this is <laughs> December 20th, so... <laughs> Time traveling's fun. Feels like nothing. If anyone can do it, it's you. Feels like nothing. What are we doing next? Oh my goodness. We're doing murders at the burger joint on Discovery Plus about the what? burger chef murders. Oh my God. I know. I know. All right. Well, stay tuned for the trailer for that, fam. And then our funny, ridiculous, and hilarious outtakes yeah. about the sports ball. Yeah. Reggie, call us. We're here. We're around if you ever want to talk about anything. <laughs> and also, how's your sister? She's amazing. Her name's Cheryl. I forgot. We love her. We love Cheryl. Oh my God. I love Cheryl. you. I love you. All right. Bye. Okay. Bye. It's this all-American group of kids working at a burger shop, and they are all killed brutally in the woods. Imagine, what type of torture did they go through? That had to be pure terror. It's one of the state's most infamous crimes, the kidnapping and killing of four burger chef workers in Speedway. If I knew what the hell was going on that night, I would have walked over here and got involved. I probably would have got shot and killed. There's one gentleman that I think has a big secret, and I think he knows what happened. My favorite part of those videos is when the, the people eventually just give up. Uh -huh. They're like fighting the saran wrap, and then they're like, no, I, I'm just- Just knock just me out. <laughs> 
I always love too when like the flight attendant's yelling at the guy and he's yelling back Where and it goes on watching these TikTok. videos? These are like tons and of videos. And then it goes on for like two minutes and then they finally pull the guy off and everyone applauds. Right. Woo! <laughs> and I'm like, you sure you don't want to cause a little bit more of a fit? Do we really have to get into the sky? Because I'm going to die if we're on the plane. Well, hopefully if there's an emergency, who would barge in here and not give you a signal with flick, flickering the lights on The look on your face. I love your concern for me. Just barge in if there's an emergency. Sorry, there's, sorry, TikTok. We didn't know. I, I didn't know if I was getting like new kinds of signals from Steve. You barge in. <laughs> Which he does at 401 every recording. <laughs> I had to because I knew you. It's true. He does that. Right when we're like, we're just trying welcome to, to the show. Steve's so uh, like, just real quick. He's like standing outside the booth. I'm like, babe, we're what? just getting started. You saw each other since 4 a.m. this morning. I know. I know. He's like, did you leave the half and half out again? Yeah, even before he was like, I thought I had something to say, but I didn't. Anyway, <laughs> see you later. He was in here for 20 minutes. <laughs> Loving you. Yo, sit down, bitch.